0: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom socks. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit
1: jabberjawmedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Me Undies. Get 20% off your first pair plus free shipping by going to MeUndies.com
2: slash BadChristian. Today's show is also sponsored by Hubble. Get quality daily contact lenses for half the price of the other guys. Just go to HubbleContacts.com and get your first two weeks of lenses for free. You
3: are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast.
4: Three, 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 two, 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 one. one. One, one. Let's go. Negative integer. Zero, negative one, negative one, two, two, negative, two three, negative three, negative three, four, negative, four, negative four, five, negative six, negative,
2: negative seven. Negative one seven, nine nine minus negative
4: one is nothing. Come oh on, kids. Oh.
1: Bad Christian podcast. We're negative. <laughs> Pure name. Nih- nihilistic thinking. There, just keep on. It just goes backwards, and then negative, and gets worse and worse forever. That's the way. It, that's I've how always it is.
2: hated that though. Like I, I'm, I've never been good at math. I, I really just, I, I don't do well with math in general. I don't like thinking about it or anything. But I hate that there's this whole thing that's the opposite, and you have to say the word negative before every number. That's just awful because you never you don't have to go positive one positive two positive three positive four you don't have to do that like that whole that, that's a big word to have to say in front of infinity numbers okay, it's unlimited and you have to use the word negative in front of it forever that's you, just awful
4: you yeah. just spend too much time thinking about stupid stuff
2: and how about this just to prove that I don't know anything about math I don't even know what that means. What is, neg- what is negative? What is negative three hundred forty-four? Show even, it to me. I don't even want to hear is it. Is your you bank can't account? Show it
1: to me. Is what it is. You're glad to have some representation. Oh, but god, oh god! But I don't oh, even want to hear what your thoughts are on antimatter. Good gosh! Oh,
2: <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> I, I mean, I know I'm dumb, but I mean, Joey, you were a math teacher, Matt. You're pretty smart at math my, at yourself. My my brother-in-law is a math professor, getting his doctorate right now. I think at uh uh some big time college in Philadelphia. Well, I don't know what it starts with. I don't know what it's called. But um anyway, and, and I just feel so dumb that I don't know anything and I can't even really do stuff. Like I I, I never really even understood algebra, geometry. Can I, can I do some
4: can I do some simple math for you? Like what is one minus negative one?
2: One minus I, n- <laughs> I don't I mean I would assume it's zero, right? No, it's one takeaway that's no, two. two? Wait, one minus, minus negative, negative one,
1: one is two. Is two? Yeah. No. All right. One plus about, negative one is zero. Oh God!
4: I don't know any of this. I'm what's not negative? What's negative seven times negative seven? Negative 49? <laughs> no, nope, forty-nine.
2: No, it's just forty-nine. Wait a minute! Why is that?
4: Because they have the same sign. Two positives make a positive, Two negatives make a negative. I think maybe I'm starting no, to No, no.
1: Negative
2: 7 times negative 7 is 49. The negatives go away, right? That's what I said. So one negative, one positive equals a positive. Two negatives equal a positive. And two positives equal a positive. Wait, what is what?
1: minus 7 times 7? Minus 7, negative 7 times 7 yeah. is negative 49. Negative, okay, right. If the signs are opposing, it becomes a negative number either way. Anyway, okay. Good. We'll, let's not stay here too long. We God, have, this is <laughs> I tell you why, it's gotta, because I this episode kids. is going to be good. We have a guy coming on named Thomas Ord, and we're going to talk about some difficult to wrap your brain around shit coming up later. Free will? Does God have free will? Does God know everything? Open, Open theism theology. is actually the the, the topic oh. that we'll discuss uh, later, so that'll be, leave plenty of room for your for your mind to blow, uh, which is you know a lot more complicated than. <laughs> Minus one plus negative one. <laughs> Good God, that's hard. I just even, it,
2: it actually, like, when y'all started asking me those questions, I got like a little fear. Anxiety, yeah. <laughs> it took me back to like Algebra Two, which I failed and then, and I had to take again. Now, when I took it in summer school, I got straight A's. I was the smartest kid in summer school in Algebra Two, but. Smartest kid in time, summer just, school that making I, make it I up know, is Isn't that funny? <laughs> isn't that hilarious? But uh, speaking of negatives, though, the thing that also gives me, I, a little bit of panic and a little bit of worry. You know, we, uh, I guess we've talked about this several times on the podcast, just about how we don't know some of the sins that we do now. Like we're so sure that this, like in Christianity, you know, now with this national statement where we're so sure that this sin is bad and it's like maybe it feels like it's one of the most important ones and we're losing our grasp on sexuality and what God intended and all this stuff. Um, and I was thinking just I was laying in bed the other night and uh Joey and I kind of even texted back and Joey's response was actually pretty grace-filled and thoughtful but um I just started thinking about tithing and I really did I was one of the people that was kind of pretty upset with the whole Joel Osteen thing that they didn't open their doors like just the idea that wait a minute that they're saying all the excuses for not opening the doors seem so silly to me like it was really strange now, of course, there's other churches that do bad. I do bad. All kinds of people do bad. But in this instance, we're just talking about this one dude, one church. I just thought it was so bizarre that, like, they, they showed pictures of, oh, well, what if they showed pictures of the church flooding, but that was in the parking lot and it was underneath the flood wall that they spent a lot mm-hmm. of money to build. The church inside never flooded. And there were people really in danger and lost their homes and out in the street, you know, out, outside trying to get away from water flooding the streets and stuff. And I just couldn't understand it. And it, it was one of the things where it really did make me see. Wait a minute, this, this church is the building. Regardless, some people were like, "Well, you know what it would be like? Uh, what if somebody got hurt in the building? What if you know what? Th- what if they don't have toilet paper for people? What if somebody? You know what if there was danger here? This and this." And I was just like, "Wait a minute! What are you t- talking about? This is a church. It is the people. It's not this building. And God can feed like five thousand people, but we don't even believe that uh, we'll get past uh, you know not good flood insurance or mm-hmm. uh, you know." Uh, what what do they call that when somebody gets hurt you know whatever insurance Liability. Uh, protective insurance liability insurance, and I was even thinking, this church fits 30,000 people, I think, a Sunday. Of course, they have enough toilet paper. Of course, they probably have some bottled water for 100 people. They couldn't invite 100 people through the doors. And it really did make me think, gosh, man, this is a building. That's what this is. The reason why they didn't open the doors is, for whatever reasons, it wasn't a church. It was a building that you you didn't want to let people in, because what if? And I was like, man, that made me really kind of depressed. And I started thinking about the idea of tithe and that maybe we – I mean, we could potentially have tricked ourselves and done something to where the tithe was meant to help people. Tithe was actually, you know, meant to support uh, the the pastoral people, and also it was meant to help people. And now tithe has actually become pay for the building, pay for, the, mm-hmm. you know, all all the staff, whatever it might be, uh, you know, uh, social media minister or whatever, all the stuff. And I, and I was thinking, maybe is it – have we become where – you could possibly think of even tithing now is, is sinful because we don't, I mean, it's so bad easy for me to go or something. Well, or, well, no, how about this? Like I, Sinful in a way of oh well I gave my tithe I, I gave my ten percent to the Lord I'm done oh yeah for like we, sure. you know that, what I mean? Like we're even, we're even there tithe. yeah absolutely. I mean we we are even there meaning that we choose now not oh well you know the church helps people in this other country's third world country so I did my part uh, you know uh, the church probably sent some stuff to the people in the hurricane uh, yeah right, I mean right, it's right. really easy to think you're done so I mean the tithe the idea of the tithe and and Joe even made this point it's not I mean there are it, of course, the New Testament says to give and stuff, but the tithe was a real thing for the Old Testament and Jewish people, and, and and Jews don't even give tithe like that anymore. Like it's it's a different thing, and we so we have kind of lost ownership of our giving so much so that we go, oh yeah, we're supposed to give ten percent. Moving on, mm-hmm. like it, it, it's not right. uh, you know it's not even anything. I, I'm wondering is it potentially sinful? Like are have we tricked people and ourselves? Maybe maybe not intentionally. Maybe this is I'm not saying that it's this evil thing. I think the idea not a behind conspiracy. it is good. Right. right. I think it's a good idea to support a church and have a building. And it, it, in a hot summer in Franklin, Tennessee, I want there to be air conditioned. And, you know, I think the pastor should be taken care of. But it's so crazy that, I mean, our tithe goes, we put our tithe in, and you don't know where most of it goes. Like when you see you can't know. P- not allowed churches to know. print stuff, well, a lot of times the, the pastor doesn't even know. And it, and it led me to the next thing, too. Well, let's stay here. I'll, I'll talk about that, too. I, I don't want to interrupt well, let, you, guys let me, if you. Let have me some tell thoughts.
4: you this. Let me tell you something that has been unbelievably freeing, and that is actually seeing a house church play out. And and the fact that it's a house church doesn't even matter. The only relevance there is that nobody's getting paid to lead it, and we don't need any money to go towards a building. So we actually have kind of an unsaid rule, especially since a few people are involved in other churches, that, hey, at least give $50 a month. And every single dime of that money goes to either people in the group that fall on financial hard times or people in the community that actually need it. And it is just so freeing to see all of that money be completely fluid and go straight to needs. Now, I'm not going to make any sort of uh, proclamations about it, our, our churches doing the wrong thing with tithe, but I will say this, and this is this is kind of where my belief system rests on current church. I don't know if churches today function in this sort of way because almost like the result of a fall like it's it's uh we're doing the best we can in an evil society and so we have to do things a certain way but i will say this that i don't think that it is ever right that the gospel is dependent on money and people so in other words you know, you take a big church like Joel Osteen's church, and if he were to uh, become an affirming pastor in Texas, that would hit their pocketbooks hard. So even if he believed that, he couldn't come right out and say it. And so basically, you are saying things according to how people are going to give and whether or not people are going to come. And that we have to believe that the gospel was never supposed to be that that can't be right you that right that just can't there's be there's right. just no way
1: no, no i no I, way. I totally agree it's it's there's some real real sticky issues there and it's almost there's there is a even incidental predatory nature to the notion that there's this thing that you're supposed to give your giving to and they call it the tithing and the giving as if it's exclusive to that and that's i don't know uh It's definitely got some some issues. Like I don't know if that's what you're supposed to be doing with your money. I'm not super sure about that. But can I play the clip from Joel Osteen when he addressed it? Y'all want to hear a minute of that? I've got it. I got it here. I mean, this isn't all about Joel Osteen, but you know, relevant. But this is okay. I'll put it this way: Joel Osteen is an extreme. First of all, he's covering his ass here, and most people find him credible and believable. So. Fair enough. Maybe it's just right. But the Joel Osteens and the people that are really, really raking in the money in this way, uh, they're, they represent an extreme version. But whatever's true about them is also true about my church and your church and stuff like that to some lesser degree. We can at least admit that, right? Yes. Okay. Right. Well, let's listen to Joel Osteen and discuss it. Well, shit. <laughs> my, <laughs> my audio isn't working. All right, there's got to be a way to make this work. I just had it playing, but it's not playing. Um, one second. Somebody talk again, and I'll get this up.
2: So I, I think, too, one of the things, like some some people I got into a little bit of discussion online about Joel Osteen even, and I don't want to make it all about Joel Osteen. You were saying every church has problems, and, and I do think that Joel Osteen probably is a little bit of an easy target because of his prosperity gospel and because he's rich. And because he's rich doesn't have anything to do with the hurricane, mm-hmm. but it does bother me that there was something there where the the church was a building, and now because of media pressure they opened the doors. Apparently mm-hmm. now it's okay and safe to open the doors after the media, you know, people said, "Hey, this is kind of weird," mm-hmm. and and so now he's going to defend it. Okay, well I got the I got
1: it now. So I'm going to play this Joel Osteen clip for you, but before I do that, I've got to talk about something much more important and that's underwear and i'll tell you why underwear is important is because i mean basically you're always wearing it and it's in one of the most special places of, of your whole body and so you want it to be comfortable nice. you want it to be yeah. soft and i'll tell you what else do not sleep on the idea of it being fashionable and there's an effect of wearing underwear that feels good so you know me i wear the same thing every day like okay but i get a little bit of joy out of wearing I have some orange underwear, okay? I have some orange me They're pure Clemson orange, and it delights me to put those on. And I have some other with some patterns and other things. So it's one thing I choose, and I don't get judged for it. It's for me. Inside. And it sounds like stuff girls say about their underwear. But it's true. I've never had any nice underwear before. These are nice. I wear them. I even feel good because of the selection that I make. But the most important part is obviously being comfortable. Me undies is made by with a fabric that's three times softer than cotton. And I'm just... I cannot exaggerate enough. I can't overstate enough that... Cotton underwear is, I don't know, kind of soft, but imagine if it was three times softer. It's just, it's powerful. You got to experience it to know what I'm talking about. Uh, This stuff's sustainably sourced. It's natural fabric, and it is three times softer than cotton, and it's a lot cooler in the summertime. They're the ultimate feel-good undies. Right now, MeUndies has an exclusive offer just for our listeners. You can get 20% off your first pair and free shipping, and MeUndies is so sure you'll love the underwear. They'll even offer 100% satisfaction guarantee, and that's what I'm telling you. You got to try them to know what I'm talking about. About And then you will know. But if for any reason you're not satisfied, don't worry about it. It, it. You Order a pair. If you don't love your first pair, you get a full refund. So it's a no-brainer. Try 20% off, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee. What are you waiting for? To get your 20% off, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, and get the best and softest underwear you will ever own, go to MeUndies.com. That's MeUndies.com. Bad slash bad Christian. So this is a limited time offer. What are you waiting for? Start wearing the best underwear of your life right now. It changed my life, and it's time to let me change yours. So go to MeUndies.com slash bad Christian right now. Okay. Now I've got the Joel Osteen clip. We'll let him speak for himself and then we can respond to it. All
2: right. <laughs> Standing ovation. Standing ovation. All
5: right, thank you. Yeah.
2: This is in Lakewood,
1: right in the sanctuary, so, this week. First Sunday after the flood.
5: Okay, okay, God bless y'all. Be seated. I should let y'all have the mic. You wouldn't say it as nice as me today, but... Well, you know, with, with so much misinformation, I just want to clarify a few things. This building flooded back in 2001 when the rockets were still playing basketball here. There was over five feet of water in this lower bowl area. Knowing that, when we took possession, we installed large floodgates all around the building. Last Sunday morning, during all the rain, the waters came within a foot or maybe two of breaching the walls and flooding the building once again. Without those floodgates, we wouldn't be in here today the water started receding, the water started to recede late Sunday, maybe into Monday, we felt it was safe to start taking people in on Tuesday. If we had opened the building earlier and someone was injured, or perhaps it flooded and people lost their lives, that would be a whole different story. I'm at peace with taking the heat for being precautious, but I don't want to take the heat for being foolish. It's easy for people (laughs) to make judgments from a distance without having all the information. Mm -hmm. Some people that don't know the facts and that don't want to know the facts will continue to try to stir things up. They would love to discredit the ministry and lessen our voice, but can I tell you, they're not that strong. The forces that are for us, are greater than the forces that are already- okay,
1: Paul. Right, but the- I'm gonna play some more, but I'm gonna pause that. I'm gonna replay it. Th- this is the what I find interesting about the video. He's still talking, he's making sense. Like, obviously, it would have been better to open up with, you know, what I- I'll tell you, what would have done it for me. All he had to really say, which is totally possible, is like, man, I was slow to react there. I bet we could have done more. We did a lot. I should have done more personally. That's all me. Uh, you know, whatever. That would be a nice moment anyway, and it'd be believable. But then he goes on, he gives the actual technical explanation of the flood and the water and what could have happened or whatever. And then he makes the shift, which I find real interesting, where he says some people are still going want to believe the facts the other way. So I, let's, let's just go at this time. He's talking about Toby, okay? Yeah. All right. So at that moment thus far, he's naming people, let's say like Toby, who went on a rant about it. Right. Toby. And he's right almost so far that Toby doesn't have all the facts. And he's even right to say that Toby probably wasn't interested in having all the facts. He knew all he wanted to know. And he did want to make yep. a point. Toby's entitled to do that now. So I'm imagining Toby as the person that he's discussing here. W- would you agree, Toby? A person yeah, that went on a yeah, podcast sure. and did a yes. big rant about it. Yep. Somebody published an article. 100%. People, okay. Yep. Sorry. Let's listen again, starting there.
5: People to make judgments from a distance without having all the information. Some people that don't know the facts and that don't want to know so the facts. So that still might be totally. We'll continue I'm to try to, to stir up things up. And he's
1: up. he's not wrong about they what They would he's
5: love saying. to discredit the ministry and lessen our voice. Okay.
1: Now, even if you're wrong, don't have all the facts, and are being Pig headed, Toby. Do you believe that your motivation is to lessen his voice and discredit his ministry? (laughs) I thought that would be easier
4: because he's doing some soul surgery, boy. Toby's like, I I gotta think uh, about this. I mean, I guess if I was
2: 100% honest, it. It bothers me that it's a church and people give a lot of money and they mm-hmm. didn't open it. So right. there has to be something where I would want to discredit it, probably. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me, I think, that probably does think this guy's a shyster or mm-hmm. he's not totally telling the truth right now. So okay. I don't know if I think his ministry is a good thing. Okay.
1: Okay. Even First of all, I thought you might just say, well, no, I'm just trying to tell the truth and make something apparent, make a bigger well, point. Yes, I don't Well, yes, I am. I, my biggest thing, wants, n- either, 90% even still, of I'll, it. I'll accept yes. that.
2: Ninety percent yeah. is about this. Just help the people. Your church help the people. Not not my, my goal wasn't ever. I'm going to tear down Joel sure. Osteen and bring him to the ground. Right. No, but there is probably something that makes inside of me that hopes he is discredited. Okay, maybe. All
1: right, let's continue further.
2: Okay. But so can I tell you? About me.
5: They're not that strong. The forces that are for us.
1: Okay, here we go. So, but he says you're not that strong. So now he's taking yeah. you know they're they not are not that, that strong. strong. That's people like you. So now it's now, so now you're they. Yep. And 100%. they are not that strong in allusion to he's pointing up at the sky. People start cheering That's right. as God. So and, yeah. now he, what he's done is said somebody that has a different opinion of a different opinion of me, Toby, who in Toby's heart, I at least know, even if he is mis- misinformed about a fact or two or his energy, I certainly know and anybody with a brain ought to know that Toby's isn't uh against God and the Word of God and the message of God. That is certainly right. not your motivation. If anything, you think Joel Osteen may have issues with that, but in the slip of one one little illusion, which he didn't even say directly, mm-hmm. he te- he took a person like you with a genuine yep. motivation, lumped them into a they, and pointed to the sky, and within less than a second and a half, now it's y- you, Us against they, him. against yeah. God. Not against yeah. him, God. Okay? Yeah. So that that is the manipulative trick um, that signals to me wow. Now, now we're now, and it happened just like, because right up until that moment, he he hadn't said anything that I necessarily disagree with or is defensible or whatever. So let's listen to that again and a little bit further.
5: And that don't want to know the facts will continue to try to stir things up. They would love to discredit the ministry and lessen our voice, but can I tell you? They're not that strong. The forces that are for us now we're on whole are greater than zone. the forces that are against us. And I realize this is not just an attack on me. It's an attack on what we stand for. Jesus. For faith. faith, For hope. That's for what love. your attack is. Yep. Jesus even said, <laughs> this is still Toby he's talking <laughs> I about. I hate you. Remember, it hated me first.
1: You hate. Okay, hate, so you hate, you and all of y'all hate. Joel, but you hated Jesus first. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's that's where he's at now. And he's also implying that we're like Jesus and they hate us for it. <laughs> right. But but I mean, you, you just you,
4: you you can't help but to be bothered by the fact that he wasn't willing just to say, Yeah, we're not even gonna talk about it. Right. Like it does, but now uh, he's talking like about we, what people, we are who we are, and sorry if people don't like it. But instead, he made a spiritual warfare right. narrative. What so now this? we're
1: imagining demons lashing out when people show Bibles and say the word Jesus. Right. That's, that's now who this audience is
5: picturing. And l- listen, attention to the negative chatter on social media. Never read the negative comments. Don't if you read let it. Social media run your life. You'll never fulfill your purpose. Now it's about what they're going to get,
1: and it's explicitly saying, ignore it, anything that is opposition, because Toby is another Christian having some disagreement, well-meaning for the sake of the gospel with Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen has now instructed everybody to lump him in with the demons and the evil people that are trying to destroy (laughs) you, and no matter what, don't listen to anybody that disagrees with you. I'm on
2: team okay. right now. Here yeah. and, and, we go. And,
1: and, and lump
4: Joel Osteen in his castles with the saints that's that the are good above side. reproach. Right. And so that's very,
1: very dangerous. And it, I, 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 that you have to understand that not listening, like, that is such a trick that— uh, I think most super leaders and narcissistic personality disorder type leaders do that. I've seen Mark Driscoll do it. You know, Trump does it. It's just saying the good guys and the bad guys with us or against us. Don't listen to them. Right. The haters. Ferdick does this. This is a tactic. It's to divide, you know, and it's to to insulate. Anything different is evil. Yeah. And it's just not how that works. I mean, of course, like even the people I was fighting with on Twitter last week or whatever. Dang. I mean, I think they're right about a lot of stuff. Now, if they say something obnoxious enough, I get to write them off and say, fuck them. And it doesn't matter. Right. That, but that's not that's not good for helping me learn the truth or learn anything or apologize right. or learn subtle things. It's good yeah. for dismissing them and going back, get, putting my head back up my own ass and keep it on going. Right. I, I, I mean, uh, no, I mean no matter thing, what I, you, no
4: matter what you're, I don't know if you're intentionally pointing this out, but for sure, when he feels like he needs to articulate a defense and spiritualize it, there's got to be a level of oh yeah, screwed up. Now, how can I do damage control? Because this is just right. senseless. If, if, if he did nothing wrong, then at some point, you just have to not care what people think. I mean, the three of us, we like what we do. Uh, we, we actually have some sort of a belief in what we do uh, by making this podcast. We've gotten to a point where we just don't even listen to the criticism.
1: We're well, comfortable no, I mean, enough to no, no, but with you engage, I engage with lots of people that I disagree with and learn from them. And yeah, there's sometimes I'm yes, like, but okay, what, I can't but, listen but to this But what this I'm anymore, saying but.
4: is we're not bothered by the people that say we're not Christians. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff, we're just like, whatever, right. we've heard it a billion times, we understand where you're coming from, we just are going to disregard it.
1: He's but that's not a group, that's where you make a mistake when you go, oh, those people. That's not of those people, that's this guy and this guy, and he thinks this, yeah, right. and me and him are close, but we disagree. I'm taking in information from the people I disagree with. Good gosh, yeah. I'm not them in the same with demons, I'm not. You know what I mean? That's not.
2: That's that's dangerous. Exactly. And and here's here's the thing that really bothers me about this. Like you said at the beginning, Matt. If he would have said, "Hey, man, gosh, probably should open these doors a little bit sooner." We were we did this for this reason, but I don't. I mean, I I think maybe we moved too slow or something. And Mm -hmm. and if they don't believe that, and why is the information so vague and weird? Do you notice he the church never flooded? There's a flood wall, and he said it got within a foot. I don't know what that means. I don't know if he took his, his measuring tape and measured it, but that means the water was pretty high, but that, that doesn't mean that it was in the church. People walked up to the front door, and they were told to go to a different shelter yeah. because this church, Lakewood, yeah. is not a shelter. And how about this? The first Sunday after a hurricane... You spend this much time talking about the haters and not right. helping peop- hurricane victims? Yeah. Like that, what, what bullshit is that? I mean, that? it like, goes on and You're spending talking about the people that don't like you, and you could have been talking about, this is what we're going to do from here on out. Yeah. We're going to give money to this. We're going to do this, 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 and this, and here's what God wants us to do and be like, not, hey, there's people that are mean and think that we're not cool and good. <laughs> no, okay, well, we'll show them. We don't even listen to it. Obviously, you listen to it. These things Jolo's are easy thing. to you do. You just preached half a sermon on yeah, it. Yeah,
1: it's like Creflo Dollar came back from the jet thing and was able to knock it dead to his congregation, of course 100%. he could. It's insecure stuff, but you got to watch out for this tactic. And if your church does it, just pay attention. It's it's easy to do. It's subtle. It would be like this: if I was like we, do, if I tell myself and Toby and Joe and you guys, we do this podcast because we believe in Jesus and the gospel, and that is why we do this podcast. Step two, the gospel and Jesus is the most important thing. It's way more important than me. But that's why we do this. Now, anything that opposes this, therefore demonic right okay that's that's that would be absurd to take that stance, but it's but it's very easy to do when you're dealing with ultimate things, and it's very easy for your pastor to do when your church comes under opposition from the city. Well, listen, when you start when your pastor starts talking that way, maybe your church is being an asshole to the city, and whatever it is, I mean, it's not there's many it's, it's not it's not black and white here, and you, you're not right. just automatically on the good side and other people on the bad side when it turns anyway. That's a, that this happens a lot, and this is a big and a big and, and it's about.
2: not just because all these crazy people are trying to tear. Down that no. there was misinformation The misinformation also came from them Right, They did this not say PR. clearly it's what's PR going on Just yeah. like you don't know how much it, Just like well, you know what we were saying People don't know how much pastors make And we're right. giving our tithes to that right. And you can't even <laughs> say there's a, I mean, Joel You don't, don't want take this whole the
1: church. You don't want this whole church and religion thing To start looking more like, like Politics You don't want that When the preachers are sounding like PR campaigns And the money's this way and it comes through this And there's interest in corporate things and lobbies and uh, I mean these things are getting blurry you do not want your church to look like politics you do not want well, that well um, what, he's what's crazy even if you have a smart church his fault. you don't want the tone of your fault. church to start being that way you don't want that
4: what's crazy and I've I, I've even bought into this mentality is people are scorned and looked down upon if they want to know right. detailed information with where their money's going because they're just like whoa', whoa, whoa. It's like I, you're entrusting it to God. You, you're not. So you you're not picking and choosing. You're supposed okay. to be a cheerful giver and just you know. And and support the party. If you painted, don't like it. What something's doing yeah. right? It's the same They're mentality. They're painted with in a bad light for wanting to know that. Now, I do think that there's a limit to that. Obviously, you can't say, "Okay, I'm giving two thousand dollars to the church, and here's exactly what I want it to go towards." I'm not talking about that, but people. Can and should ask. Okay, what what percentage of this money helps people? Mm-hmm. What percentage goes to the pastor? Right. And, it's okay and to that. be the, in the people yeah. should
2: want it. That's what I'm saying. I don't think the people want it. I think the people standing and giving Joel Osteen a uh, round of applause are just like, yeah, this guy's badass. Cool. He's mm-hmm. you know he's, he's 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 a cool guy. He's a hero. He's a celebrity. He's this and that. And so I don't I don't know if people want the truth. I think it, it's way easier to swallow this this whole thing. Right. Us against them, and what we're doing is meaningful. And this guy is good. I don't care what you say. Somebody has a big house. That, yeah. It doesn't matter. And keep. Keep in mind, like I said at the beginning, this is a relatively extreme example. It's on
1: some end of a spectrum of what his church is like in the money situation. But it's not different, wholly different than mine or your church. It's on a scale different. So these same things apply at your local church, too. Maybe not as extreme, but they're there. These dynamics exist. You You have to... kind of face that okay right. we right. have to get on we got our guest coming on i'm excited i want to leave a lot of room to talk about it so toby's going to tell you about zip recruiter real quick and i'm going to bring up thomas
2: orton we're going to talk about open theism are you hiring do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates and i'm just going to tell you right now um unfortunately we did not use zip recruiter when we were looking for people to hire for bad christian and out of everybody that we tried i'll say that Uh, We lucked up and found Reva, who was awesome, and we actually met Reva at an Emory show, and uh, she was looking to get into music, and I don't even know if she really wanted to get into podcasting, but here she is, and she's doing a kick-ass job, but man, how great would it have been to have ZipRecruiter. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. I mean, do you want to take a chance with who you're going to be working with day in and day out? Like you spend a lot of time at your job. Do you want to work with people that aren't good or just don't even know what they're doing? I don't think so. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, 80% of employees who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within one day. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash christian. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash christian. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash christian. All right.
1: We got Thomas loading up on Skype right now, Thomas, can you hear us and see us? Yes, I can see you and hear you okay all right very good well then we're off and running
4: hey, I haven't looked I haven't looked forward to an episode this much in a long time man i cannot wait to talk about this stuff now i don't know i don't don't, don't know you you could be like super boring but the information (laughs) the information that you're going to give us today i mean i've really wanted to talk to someone that believes this yeah let me say
1: here for a second i mean we're going to get into and talk about your book but you just sent me a message on skype that you're uh number one on amazon's books in religious studies and education is that true is that new that just happened or what
3: yeah, that's just today. It's actually a totally different book. Okay. It's a, a book of theologians and philosophers who use social media and technologies. I mean, kind of stuff you're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, just reflections on how that works in uh, their work, their scholarship, their activism. So I'm pretty pumped about well, that. Well,
1: congratulations on that, yeah, and thank sure. you for comparing me to any theologian or important person. Just because I know <laughs> how to use Skype and upload a podcast,
3: I got it. <laughs> so I uh,
1: love it. I, you know, we we really feel like our
4: listeners need to hear, well, the three of us need to hear in, in a snapshot what what is open theism like. What are the what's the crux of that belief? And uh, let, let's just start there. there. Like is it like would, open marriage or it's not? It's like open
2: marriage, <laughs> yeah.
3: That sounds cool. I love it. Well, open theism is a pretty broad category. And the basic idea is that God experiences time in some way analogous to how we experience time. So moment by moment, or to put it kind of in the usual terminology, God is not outside of time, but God is in time. And that means that the future is not only future for us, but it's also future for God. Holy cow. Yeah. And what's controversial, obviously, is that this means you have to rethink what God knows about the future and the past. And um, it, it changes the way you think about God's relationship with the world and with us. Before well, we get into the
1: implications of it, though, which is the tendency, does that mean this or does that mean this, I'm still yeah. curious about the, the, okay, I've got two two big fundamental assumptions or, or things to deal with. One is the theological reason for it, which is I'm sure you're aware of and have good answers for, it. and the uh- other one would just be... The scientific way. Like, I mean, the first red flag to me right off the bat is well, what about relativity in four dimensional space time? If God's going to even create a four dimensional space time where time is one of the elements, I don't see how is he not literally, how could he possibly be bound in the arrow of time himself?
3: Yeah, there are a ton of scientists who are open theists. In fact, if you were to look at the current science and religion scholarship, I would say the majority have an open theism kind of view. And part of the reason for that is that they don't think time is something that is created. You don't look outside and see time there. You see objects that go through time. Mm -hmm. And also because uh, you don't have to, uh, well, it's easy for a lot of people who read Scripture to think that God is experiencing time and is anticipating the future and makes changes in, in response to how creation works. And so, uh, yeah, there are some scientists who don't uh, affirm open theism, and general relativity would be uh, one of the reasons. But there, especially in quantum physics, the quantum physicists, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people. On board with open theism.
1: Yeah, I, and and I guess you're just speaking about the scientists that are are believers, which there are certainly more than sure. people think that there yeah. are. I, I acknowledge that fully. But just to be clear yeah. about what I'm talking about is God created us. We're three dimensional beings. Relativity says there's ex- at least four dimensions, and one of them being time, which still sounds like a created thing to me. So I don't understand. You know, you know what I mean? That, that's that's the crux of what I'm saying. But you know, it's just relativity. It's just something Einstein came up with. I'm and I'm not. I'm just saying it, that that could be outdated. Dated, and it's certainly at conflict, as you say, to some, in some ways with quantum uh, stuff. So it's not the end I'm, all. It's just saying there's a scientific theory called relativity, but poses, uh, it poses maybe a problem. But, so uh, I, know, I know there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that, that doesn't
4: make scientific sense, But so, so I understand that. But couldn't we say—because I've always had a hard time thinking, okay, man has free will— and God knows everything that's going to happen. That almost seems like an impossible notion. Like that just takes a leap of faith because that makes zero sense. If someone has true free will, and and uh, just just to. Uh, eliminate any suspense Toby and Matt are pretty much in the camp they don't believe anybody has free will and I'm not saying that <laughs> in a mocking tone that's just where they're at but uh, am I right I've only to been saying that for a
2: decade right
4: am, <laughs> am I right to say that that just doesn't make sense for people to have true will and true free will and for God to know everything that's going to happen
3: Yes. Welcome to Open Theism. Yeah, but let's let's don't skip over the, the last thing about what are the
1: before we go to the implications of it. Can we quickly visit the underpinnings of, of this? Like, how long has it existed? What scriptures uh, validate yeah. or point to it? Stuff like that.
3: Well, the the basic idea has been around for centuries, even uh, millennia, but um, it really has come to the surface since about the 1990s. Uh, You found this idea in kind of more liberal circles a hundred years earlier, a couple hundred years earlier. But amongst evangelicals, it was really in the 1990s when a book by Clark Pinnock David Basinger, Rick Rice, uh, John Sanders, and Bill Hasker came out called The Openness of God, and this just sort of erupted in this huge conversation. It wasn't just those liberals out there who believed in open theism. Now it was just good old Bible-believing Christians who thought open theism made a lot of sense. So that's how it kind of has emerged. And uh, you've already mentioned the free will thing as being a real big part of the reason why people are open to open theism. Of course, you read scripture in a particular way, and it sure sounds like it's an open universe. Um, For instance, when Jonah finally comes out of the fish, God tells Jonah to tell uh, the people of Nineveh that they are going to be destroyed, utterly destroyed. And the scripture says that the king says, you know, maybe if we repent and put on sackcloth and ashes, maybe God will have a change of mind. Maybe God will repent, which means they have a change of mind. That's what they do. God has a change of mind, and therefore the city isn't destroyed. There's an example in scripture in which God says, okay, this is the way the future is going to be. And then people change course, and then God says, oh, wait a minute, I think we're going to do something else now. That's a good example from Scripture of an open theist way of thinking.
1: Mm-hmm. There's
4: many that,
3: examples Matt, of God changing yeah.
1: his mind in the Bible. Is, is, the big, is, is that the biggest support for open theism? That's a
3: big one, yeah. There's, okay. uh, you know, like 40 such examples. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, when, when God sets covenants, you know, God says to the people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, yada, 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 if they do this, I will do X, But if they don't, I will pluck them out of the land. Why? It sounds like the decision hasn't yet been made, the future is still open, and what God does depends in part on what creatures do. Mm -hmm.
4: So what do you say about—and I'm I'm looking it up as we speak, I may be unsuccessful—but what would you say about prophetic lines in the Old Testament that basically says that God— you know, calls the future as if it were today and uh, speaks things into existence and those sorts of things?
3: That's a great question. So I think the majority of prophecy in scripture isn't about predicting the future. It's about telling the people, hey, you're screwing up and you're going to, you know, life is going to suck if you keep going this direction. So you got to change course. So the prophets come up and say, you're sinning. Bad things are going to happen if you keep going this direction, change course. And you don't have to know the future with 100% accuracy to know that's the case. So then yeah. there's a, a smaller category in which God makes claims about what God is going to do in the future. And God can do that without knowing the future in its you know entirety, exhaustively. God can say, I'm going to do X in 10 years, and God doesn't have to know the future to know that God's going to do X. Right. Then there's a really small sliver of passages that don't fit open theism well. Like my favorite example is, you know, when Jesus says before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. Boy, that sounds like some, in some strange Mm -hmm. way, Jesus knows exactly how things are going to play out. Now, open theists have some answers to those kinds of proposals. And I'll just admit up front that I don't find those answers straightforwardly. They don't work well. But what I do is I take the broad biblical witness and say, if I look at the broad biblical witness, open theism seems to be supported in the vast majority of the Bible. Now, I admit there's some passages that could go either way. How do you deal with the cock growing three uh, times, though? Well, some people say that's an expression of the time, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, uh, and so it's not really specific. Other people say, look, this was written 40 years after the event, and so the author sort of puts this in there, and so it's not like what someone Jesus- on the seen. What if yeah. Jesus
4: hypnotized him and said, You are ah. going to deny me three times? Yes.
3: <laughs> well, there's some things that you know, you could say, Well, Jesus knew the person so well that he knew that he was going to deny him. But that's yeah. you know, for me I think, well, how would Jesus know the cocks gonna crow? You know, it's there's a lot of strange things going on there. So, so I just say, look, I can't make it all add up, but the majority fits you, my Because
1: you, in fairness, you can't make it all add up. Well, this let's all be honest as Christians here, ain't right. no way to make it all add up. Right. Ain't exactly. no view that yet. adds up so, at I mean, all.
3: And the Bible's not a systematic right. theology. It's written from different times, perspectives. I think God inspired it, but that doesn't mean it all fits together perfectly.
4: All right, guys, we all have those times in our lives when we got to put those suits on, and Indochino is the best in the business. Tried these guys last year. I'm never going to buy a suit anywhere else, and he, the, the biggest reason is when I put my suit on from Indochino, when I put it on, it, I feel really good. It looks cool. It's stylish. It, it, it fits my body parts how a suit should, and that is because it was made to measure a suit tailored just for me. The first time I got a suit was at one of these regular clothing department stores and customer service was was great and took a few measurements. The guy gave me some suggestions, put some stuff together. Uh, but I went home with a suit that I really wasn't happy with. I didn't think it, it looked really that good on me. It didn't fit my body well. My wife even commented on, yeah, it's just kind of not a super stylish uh, suit. So in a Chino, delivered the the complete opposite and it's it makes it so easy to get a perfectly tailored suit that's at an incredible price so you choose from hundreds of top quality fabrics and you personalize your suit just the way you want it whether it's for work a wedding a spe- another special occasion and they Indochino has suited up hundreds of thousands of men and are now the largest made-to-measure menswear brand in the world. That's crazy. Visit a showroom or shop online at Indochino.com. That's the first part. Just go to their website, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. You pick your fabric, you choose customizations all the way from lapels to pleats to jacket linings and more. I got like a floral jacket lining. It was beautiful and it also had a taunting phrase against my favorite college football team's rivalry. So that was always fun at a party. Flashing that, talking a little trash during football season. So you have all those sorts of uh, cool customizations, but most importantly, you submit measurements and then you get a suit that fits perfectly for you and it looks super nice. So, place your order and wait for it to arrive in just a few weeks. Comes to your door. So, this week Bad Christianer, uh, Bad Christian listeners get any premium Indochino suit for just $379 at indochino.com when entering Bad Christian at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price, by the way, for a made-to-measure premium suit and the shipping is free. So, that's indochino.com promo code Bad Christian for any premium suit for just $379 and free shipping. This is an incredible deal for a suit that will fit you better, I promise, than anything off the rack ever could. So Tom, in your in your mind is is God less worthy of worship? I mean it almost seems to put us on almost like a peer relationship, like God's stronger than us, but we're rooting for him because he doesn't know what's going to happen. We don't, and evil exists. So, I mean, is there a question about whether or not God's going to defeat evil?
3: Yeah, that is a big question. And here the open theists divide into different camps. So um, most open theists think that God isn't a controlling God most of the time, maybe occasionally to do a miracle here and there. But at the end of history, whenever God decides to do this, God's going to come back, kick some butt, wrap it all up, unilaterally control things, and then we have whatever happens in the afterlife. I'm in a different camp. I don't think God has the capacity to control. Not now and not ever in the future. Because I think God's love is always empowering others and giving agency and freedom to others and God can't control others. So that means my hope for the future isn't that God comes back and kicks butts and you know everything is laid out. My hope for the future is that we cooperate with God to make this world better and also move into an afterlife of cooperative love. So you don't so, see it so as th- a
2: submission then. We won't we won't actually at some is is that like The idea of proclaiming Him God and kneeling before God and Jesus, you know, new heaven, new earth, all that stuff. You think that is, is that us submitting that He is Lord and God, or is that us? Yes. You think we're coming to a realization, though, that
3: He's, that we just have to do it together? Exactly. It's freely submitting rather than being coerced into submission. I mean, don't you think that the perfect leader is so great that those will freely follow rather than having to force people to follow? An open theist leads with God's love and says that love is ultimately going to win.
2: And do you guys believe there will be people that don't choose and they go to hell or torment or what?
3: There are different views in the openness camp. My own view is that God never gives up in this life or the next life, but— since we're truly free and God can't control us, those of us who want to say no to God now and in the afterlife can continue to say no to God and then reap the natural negative consequences of mm-hmm. saying no to love.
4: Now, could God, no, not, ha- could God go have uh, created everything differently? Like, in other words, if, if he didn't want us to have free will, could he have just created everything in,
3: in that regard? In my view, No. Uh, Some open theists say God could have created us as robots. In my view, since I think love comes first in God and God's love is uncontrolling, then God had to create creatures with some autonomy, some integrity. And as more complex creatures emerge, those of us have full-blown free will. I mean full-blown. I don't want to make it sound like uh, we can do absolutely anything we want freely, because I think free will always has limits and constraints. But I do think we're genuinely free. So
4: with, with your perspective, do you think that it seems like the possibility would exist for people to eventually rebel in heaven? Like could, could yes. people that were saved decide, This I don't want to follow this guy anymore?
3: Yes, and you know, it may sound like a weird idea, but a whole bunch of Christians have thought that uh, Satan or demons or however you think about the evil spirits were originally angels in heaven and they rebelled. And so this idea that there's still free will in heaven isn't so weird if you start thinking about it. Now, I also think that just like we develop good habits in this life, if we habitually say yes to God over time, The possibility of us, of our freely saying no, diminishes the more characters are formed to be like Christ. But I say there's always the possibility that we could freely choose to do other than what God wants. So
4: in your mind, do you... When you envision, or when you conceptualize, the God that I guess most mainstream Christianity worships—the all-powerful, all-sovereign, omniscient (laughs) God—and all, do in your mind, do you worship a lesser God than what those folks have conceptualized in their head?
3: No, I I mean I don't want to sound uh, elitist or something, but I think I, I worship a greater God. Because the God that I envision is understood in the context of love. And if you have a view of God in which God has the capacity to control, if God wants to, then you have to look around at every murder and rape and hurricane and say, you know, God could have stopped that if God wanted to. But for some mysterious reason, or maybe God just doesn't care, God didn't. In my view, God's lovingly active in all situations, but not able to control any of them. Mm-hmm. So God's like a good parent who's neither manipulative, controlling, overpowering, nor you know, avoidant, uh, absent. God is always working to the utmost in love in every situation, but never controlling in any situation. But that's and-
4: a tough one. So God created the universe, but he couldn't. Yeah. He couldn't stop. Uh, a a jerk from abusing his child he couldn't or he just doesn't
3: allow himself to well think about it this way if god could god's a real jerk yeah right i mean yeah it may sound weird to say god can't stop a rape but boy, it sure sounds a lo- whole lot worse to me to say, you know, God was there and present and could stop it, but just allowed it anyway. Yeah. So yeah. let's, let's mean, be
1: it, it, clear that there's got to be work. I think this is important to remember is that there must be all this sounds like workarounds to me. I'm not taking a, a stab at open theism, but the opposite requires right. workarounds as well. The opposite would say, OK, well, let's see, I don't like the rape thing. So, OK, it must be for some eventual good then. You know, And you have to start right. spending something because the at face value, obviously, you're, to your point, well, God chooses not to save lots of things. So if you've already made up your mind that you need God to be all-powerful, king, like if you're – in fact, I think I can draw the two values that drive both beliefs from what I've heard yeah. so far. And tell me if I'm wrong about this, but in one – value people feel threatened by the notion that god's not all powerful because you would want in all situations to believe that i could see why challenging that would be upsetting or uncomfortable or or fearful so you'd hold on to that even if you had to do some gymnastics to say well that's why he allows genocide then like there must be some reason because i already know that he i have to believe i'm going to stand firm on what god could do because i need him to be that strong powerful omnipotent would be the word i suppose and then in your view i would say the the principle that you seem to hold most valuable is the one of agency or free will. So since you, you feel that that is, has both value as, as important as what you feel, then therefore the outcome of that would, you know, you have to do a little bit of gymnastics here to say the God that created the universe can't stop a rape.
3: Yeah, I would put it slightly different. It's not that I hold free will up as my highest ideal, I hold God's love up as my highest ideal, and I think God's love necessarily Mm -hmm. gives that freedom and agency. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think other than that, that's pretty accurate. Okay. So
1: now I'm interested, and I'll put something else in this of A a parallel to this is, uh, I'll tell you what's real interesting about the whole thing to me is, you almost everybody's a Christian stays the type of Christian they are their whole life, and and up until you know, to be honest, until the internet was as viable as it is now, you never really had that much access to knowing what Orthodox have thought for centuries, or what uh, other I didn't know Evangelicals thought this. You're saying there's Evangelicals that think I didn't know that. Nobody knew that stuff, and so it's kind yeah. of. A, astonishing and a little bit frightening for the community at large to be able to say stuff like, well, you know there's a lot of people that don't even believe in hell. Well, hell's always bothered me. This I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm <laughs> caricaturizing yeah, Joey yeah. here, who has always been very bothered by hell until he realized there is a theology that's somewhat reasonable that doesn't have hell, that has some had some dissonance in his brain with what he thought about the character of God, stuff like this. And so while I don't know if any of these philosophies or isms are comprehensive they at least all have their value and it's really cool to see that there are real Bible believing people that that hold these things that it is possible and that it's not just some weird fringe group I mean it's a reasonable it is a reasonable point of view if you're willing to admit that your point of view is is just one of them too
3: yeah I mean when I speak and I speak a, an awful lot, There's always a few people after the event who come up to me in private and say, you know, I've always thought the way you're describing. Or, I mean, I get letters on Facebook or, you know, things from folks who've been sexually abused and they say, finally, a view of God in which I don't have to think God allowed this to happen to me. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there are a lot of people who look for this kind of uh, perspective. And now what usually happens is they find that attractive, and then they go back to the things you were mentioning about God's power, and they say, well, is there any way I can hold on to both of them? Mm -hmm. And what I try to help them to do is to say, yes, you can believe God is powerful. The word I like to use is almighty, since that's the one in most of our English translations of the Bible. I think God is... I think God is mightier than all others, gives might to all others, and is the, exerts might upon all others. But I think God can be almighty in those three senses and never be controlling. So I want to say to those folks, look, you can have an almighty God. It's just not the controlling God that uh, you have to give up if you really want to make sense of why God doesn't prevent these genuine evils. I don't know if you what, can have almighty, extremely mighty, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's
2: what I was going to say. Like, does that mean like, so how do you guys view time then? Would time be almighty even more than God then? Because he has to work like he, if he created time. So did he not create time? It was just something that was there and then he would exist inside of that.
3: Correct. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I don't think of time as having might or not having might. I think of time as a way of talking about a sequence of moments and so, if you're an open theist, there's a couple of ways you can talk about God always being timeful. A really common one is to say that within the Trinity, there's this giving and receiving of love relations, and uh, that's always been going on, moment by moment. Another way is to say it that the God created this world, but God's always been creating worlds upon worlds without end, and so in that way, God's also engaged in time, moment by moment. So there's some other ways that are kind of technical to get into but it's not that somehow might is or that time is somehow stronger than god it's that god experiences time like we do
4: now what what is um what separates you you made a list of murder rape and then a hurricane like mm. it seems like one of these is not like the others um yeah the, the two of them being a result of evildoers, whereas a hurricane, that was just Mother Nature. Nobody's, nobody started that one, you know, to wreak yeah. havoc on innocent people's lives. Why can't God just say, nope, not on my watch. This hurricane's not, yeah. you know, this tsunami's not going to kill hundreds of thousands of people.
3: Yeah, I, I think a bunch of people in Houston right now are asking that question, right. don't you? <laughs> uh, so um, I'm, I'm, I want to think a thought thoroughly and whole And um, as I begin to think about the problem of evil, you know, a lot of people know the free will answer. Look, you know, there's free will, so God's not to blame, that sort of stuff. But then you start asking questions like, uh, you know, why does this woman have uh, these miscarriages over and over again? Why is this child born with severe disabilities and, you know, et cetera, et cetera? Why are there uh, natural disasters, natural evils? And so I begin to think that maybe God just doesn't care about humans. Maybe God cares about all creatures and, in fact, all creation. And part of God's love for the world also means giving life, giving existence, giving self-organization and agency to things that aren't animate, to inanimate things. And therefore, God's love is even uncontrolling at that level. And so that's where I can talk about natural evil in ways that other people who only talk about free will can't talk.
2: How do you view prayer like uh, interceding or for others or asking God for stuff? Is that even important then with open theism? Like, God
3: it's actually it's more important. yeah, I mean think about it. like if you think God knows the future, why the heck are you gonna pray for something to change in the future? But if you think the future is open and that your prayers might have some impact on the way God acts, because even God doesn't know for certain how things are going to end up, then prayer makes a whole lot more difference. Okay, so now, what's the okay, okay? So no hang on point, a second. What, but now we're but somewhere
1: between agnosticism and open theism. I'm confused because God. Can't, <laughs> I'm serious because God can act some. Versus yeah, he so remember my, versus he's the watchmaker though. Like what is it that he is able to do yeah. if I pray a certain way? And what is is the limit of what he can do and cannot do? I pray for healing, let's say.
3: Yeah. So God can't control. So that's the the philosophical way to say it is God can't be a sufficient cause. Uh God can't unilaterally determine. But God is always active and influencing in every single situation. The philosophical language would be God's a necessary cause in every situation. So go back to my parenting analogy. Okay. Remember I said the good parents are neither controlling mm-hmm. nor absent. Yeah. They're present, active, engaged. So that's the kind of general, actually it's a very biblical idea, of the way God is involved in the world. Not okay, so healing, God. healing
1: specifically, what can he do? In, what, yeah. what does a parent do? You take them to the hospital. God well, doesn't drive us to the hospital, though. So what is his, What we're praying, <laughs> and you're saying he can't control, like he cannot command the virus to leave the body.
3: Yeah, so I think God is active even at the cellular level and cannot control even the cells, but always influences the cells. (laughs) Okay, Which, again, I think is a very positive thing. What type of influence
1: Um, can he have over a cell without having control over the cell?
3: Yeah, I mean, the best way I can talk about this is in terms of philosophical language. So I've talked about a partial cause or a necessary cause. You know, uh, exactly how God is working at every level in terms of, you know, is God the blood? I mean, I don't want to identify God with creation. So I think God is a spirit who's active at every level, always influencing but never controlling. But one of the things that I really worry a lot about, I'm, I'm guessing you guys do as well, is what I call the problem of selective miracles. -hmm. How many times have I been in church in which we've prayed for someone and they were not healed? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like if I look at my lifetime, our success rate sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But every once in a while, something good does happen. So then, how are we supposed to make sense of that? You know, we're supposed to say those people had more faith. God really cares about them and not about us. You know, God's asleep on the job sometimes. What if we said this? God is always active at every level at all times, but God never controls because the conditions or the agents don't cooperate. Then all of a sudden we don't have to blame the person for having lack of faith. We can say the conditions of the cells weren't right for this kind of healing, or they were right, etc. And then we don't have to put the blame on God. Mm-hmm.
1: But you still have to forgive me for being stuck at the scientific or, yeah. or cellular level, though. You're, you're saying that he does have influence over the cells. Yes, but he's, yes. By what mechanism might he influence but not control a cell? What can he do to a cell? What can he yeah. What efficacy does he have at the cellular level? Not control and so what or yeah. the only thing that makes sense to me again is almost more the agnostic vibe, which is he could but he chooses not to control the cell if it, or he have some effect on cell? I'm yeah. a cell I'm a little yeah. lost there.
3: Yeah so um, you're asking the question and maybe the way to answer this is to uh, is to uh, answer it by thinking about how we talk about God's activity at our level. Okay. Like, if you said, someone comes up to you and said, you know, how do you know God's active in your life? You know, you're not going to point to this spiritual thing out mm-hmm. there that's like doing things. You're going to say things like, well, you know, God seems to be calling me. Uh-huh. God seems to be leading me, commanding me. Mm-hmm. And you don't like point to things, objects in the world that are hitting you. So let's take that and move it at the cellular level to whatever degree. Cells can respond. God is also calling, commanding, acting. Mm -hmm. And so to point to a particular mechanism at the cellular level is the same problem we have of pointing to a particular mechanism at the kind of more human free will level.
1: I'll let you off the hook here, but I'm going to just make a couple of more <laughs> a couple of more ways that I'm thinking about it. I'm not saying you're wrong or okay. anything, but yeah. So are we saying? For, I mean, this, the absurd thing would say, well, so could he reorient it? Orient the direction of a mitochondria sitting in the cell? You know, like it, does can he have that? Can he call that? Because on the other side, where you started, that would be. You said he affects me, and I say, well, I think God's calling me here. I observe this. I feel this way. No, I'm not pointing to any mechanisms. However, I would point out that God. The only mechanism I could point to would be a spiritual one, or at least at most, at minimum, one where he's acting on my consciousness itself, not on, sure. you know, so so he may be able to use some spiritual way to speak to my heart, to the Holy Spirit that it dwells in me, and none of that's physical or cellular, though. And that would be the mechanism by which, best argument I could make, God impacts my life metaphysically, not physically. So what can god do in this world i'm still i still feel like your position is is more close to agnosticism like maybe he can't but he he can't do anything in this world then is what well is what
2: about this is, when you were talking about healing i was i was thinking this like it, when you were saying like uh maybe it the cells are right or not right would it be something like using the parent analogy moving on to like a doctor analogy would it be a thing where the cells are right for healing and God just like a doctor goes, Well, actually we can cure the cancer because we're gonna do this, this, and this. Is that like God being active like, Hey, we actually can God's thinking, I can save you from this tumor because of this, this, and this, but that would still just be in our reality though. That would be things that we made, but that yeah, yeah. would be That's our free nice will.
1: So we could influence That's this nice world analogy. through us and our consciousness, but not physically though.
2: Right? Is that, is,
1: well, it's that physical, is that is that a answer? Yeah.
3: Yeah, so when I say physical, and I'm going to have to be technical for a minute here, okay? Okay. Right. Um, when we think about reality, we oftentimes want to break it up into things that are like machines mm-hmm. that have no interiority or mental capacities, and then ideas or minds or consciousness. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the word you used. I'm proposing that even at the cellular level, there's some kind of conscious—not consciousness—some kind of uh, interiority, some kind of capacity for responsiveness. Okay. Think about the way that doctors talk about viruses and antibodies. You know, someone says, you know, you you don't want to take too many antibiotics because then uh, you'll build up an immunity or the viruses will know how to fight back. And they're using language that suggests that even at the smallest level, there's kind of a responsiveness going on. I'm suggesting that at the smaller levels of reality, there is a measure of responsiveness. It's not conscious, but -hmm. there is a capacity to respond. And so that accounts for how they can, uh, these lesser organized and less complex organisms can respond to god's calling leading etc so he has
1: some limited physical influence on the world so imagine if we had a duck race and we all threw our rubber duckies in a pond and there and one of or a river and it was going to go downstream maybe you could stand on the bridge and kind of blow air and hopefully get the one you want to go ahead like you have some you know very faint ability to have influence, but you're not controlling it. So there is a limited efficacy for what he's, he's able to have some through it. It's just like when you have a, you know, when when you have a tool that's not really the right tool, you can have some effect, but you can't achieve exactly what you would like to achieve.
3: Yeah. Um, Think about it maybe like this. God, at least on most accounts, and I believe this to be true, is omnipresent. You and I have a limited location. Mm -hmm. And those who have greater influence are often those people who maybe aren't bodily present somewhere, but have in some way persuaded those with bodies to use their bodies in certain ways. I would say, for instance, that Mother Teresa was far stronger than whoever won this year's bodybuilding contest. Even though this year's bodybuilder could lift a whole lot more than Mother Teresa can, she has, or had, she's not with us, but she had influence. Now think about an omnipresent being, not just Mother Teresa who's actively and directly present to all things but mm-hmm. never controlling okay so in my mind that's not a lack of sure. power it sure it's not controlling but um, it's still almighty yeah so you could speak of Mother <laughs> Teresa's
1: presence as much more than she had a much larger presence than 140 pounds at, at one location she has a much presence larger even power. today
3: yeah yeah yes okay yep.
1: yeah
4: why is not, uh, why, why is this important? Like, there's—most people yeah. do not believe this way. Is, is that extremely detrimental to the cause of the gospel and just the functionality of the church?
3: Yeah, great question. Um, I think it's important, but I definitely don't think you have to believe this way to be a Christian. Um, we've already mentioned the issue of prayer. I think petitionary prayer makes a lot more sense if you have this view in mind. Um, I think it makes a lot more sense to think that our lives matter, really count, if you have this view in mind. I mean, if the future is already foreknown and already settled, it doesn't really matter what I do right now. Hmm. And some people like that, actually. Some people say, good. Other people, when I tell them that open theology says that what you do makes a difference in your life and even to God and the future, they go like, yeah, finally... Someone's given me a theology that makes sense of this sense that I have that my life matters. Yeah. And probably the big one is the issues of evil, you know. Mm -hmm. How did, why doesn't God stop rape? Why doesn't God fix, you know, genocide? Um, Why do we have the president we have in place right now in the United States? I mean, you could just go on and on about the things that suck in life. Mm -hmm. Uh, This way of thinking about it, I think... Really helps, and a lot of people think that to- as they uh, encounter. Yeah, it.
4: Toby, the guy with the seal on
2: his hat, is a big Trump supporter.
3: But
4: um, <laughs> okay. so, sorry, no,
2: sorry. No, well, see, here's, here's, okay, here's where I know we we're gonna be running out of time here, but I do think like I, Matt, we were just talking before like the idea of free will and what it is, and maybe we don't have it. Like there is a real part of me, and I'm not gonna say that I totally believe this or how much I even believe it. I don't know. It's just a thought that I've been having is the idea that we we are responsible. Like, I, I look at it as what if the rape and the murder and the hurricane are all on us and I, we we cause that and so we if there is free will then we sure should take a lot of the responsibility even so much so as I mean they, I don't care it, non-Christians constantly blame man-made climate change on stuff like the, the hurricanes are because of us and that we influence the whole world but right. then then all of a sudden when a hurricane hits it's easy to say well it was god's fault or he's too weak or whatever <laughs> so i, I actually yeah. feel like we do have a lot of responsibility but at the same time i don't know if we have much free will because like I, everything is kind of set up like i have to breathe oxygen if i don't i'll die or you know like yeah. there's a, you know i don't you i don't have much like say him. i he have was... a heart
3: but. You sounds like your view is very similar to mine. I mean, I think our freedom is always constrained. When you look at our genetics, we look at our in- atmosphere, mm-hmm. our environment, our surroundings, our backgrounds, our families, yada, yada, yada. I mean, there are a lot of constraints. But I still think we have genuine free will amid- amidst these limited options. And I really don't think you can account for moral responsibility unless you think you have some measure of free will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what if we don't sure. though?
1: I mean, what if we just don't have free will? Like I'm not the I, I can't go all the way there, but I would I would just yeah. say it seems most logical to me that free will itself is is very very close to an illusion. I mean, you say there's a few things that that aren't constrained, but I'm not even so sure where that line ends. So, for instance, people love to throw around the, the idea of say, well, if I was him, I would do this or that or whatever. And certainly, if you were him, you would do exactly what he does, which illustrates the nature yeah. and nurture and situational. Thing. If I was you, I'd have your DNA, I would have had your parents, and I'd be in the same situation as you, and I would do exactly what you would do. If you take that back farther, ain't I mean, there's nothing—this hurricane isn't anything other than a consequence of the laws of physics that were set up in the way that they were. It's no other way that it could happen other than the way it does. And even— you know, even the most of your thoughts, if you'll notice, you're you feel like you're driving your thoughts because you have that sensation, like you're sitting right behind your eyes, you're looking out at the world, and you have this sensation that you're viewing it and taking it in. But really, if you'll notice, most of your thoughts and feelings arise from somewhere. They arise, and then you name them, and then you articulate them, and then you later explain why you did them and why you thought them. Even most of your conscious thoughts and decisions are ones that usually are informed by that that your body or your physiology probably knew before your conscious mind knew and that gets really oh, I t- I, you know i don't i know. agree
3: with everything you said so far i agree with it all so i, I don't know where there is think- that
1: i have a choice if you take away environmental well, nature nurture and my physiology of uh, my intuitions arising from that way before i am aware of them i don't know where my choice ever really comes in maybe
3: i shouldn't ask this question of you but uh, <laughs> do you ever feel guilty Yes, I, I, I f- wholeheartedly agree with the
1: sensation of free will, which accompanying yeah. that would, would be guilt, yes. So
3: if you feel guilty and you don't think you have free will, I don't think you should worry about feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. But if you feel guilty and you think you have free will, that means you think you could have done otherwise Mm -hmm. and you did. I I acknowledge that
1: sensation for sure.
3: I mean, it's confusing. The other thing, too, is I don't know if you have any kids, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's hard for me as a parent to think my kids don't have free will. Well, see, that's a weird one. I have a good example
1: (laughs) on that. And that's my – if you – in fact, everybody should understand this. If you ask your kid – your kid does something stupid and you ask them why did they do it – I'm talking about five and under – they yeah. will reliably give you the correct answer. I don't know. That is absolutely <laughs> true. I, I I maintain when my daughter does something completely stupid, uh yeah. I assure you she doesn't know. She, I ask her why did you do that? She says, I don't know. And and it's like a way to get out of it, but I assure you, her brain, her prefrontal cortex, she does not know why she did it. She had a violent impulse toward her, her sister. I don't or? know, but she doesn't, she's not aware. Of why, like I genuinely believe, an undeveloped brain does things and does not know why. Therefore, not really free will in that
3: in that regard. So, do you discipline her, or you just go, "Oh well, okay, do whatever then."
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I see your point there. I mean, obviously, there's work <laughs> to be done. Uh,
3: but, but, it, but yeah, that's hard. It's hard stuff.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, as as they develop, they learn to constrain some things, or at least, to, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it falls apart somewhere, but. Interesting, yeah. interesting ground there. But how about this? Can we agree about this? That may, that, And I like the way you said it, it doesn't disqualify somebody being a Christian to think that way. Now, we do know there's people that disqualify you from being a Christian for being a heretic like this, though, right? <laughs> like that exists, doesn't yes, it? Yes, there are. The other yes, way. Yes, there are. <laughs> so I, I tend to favor your way in the sense yeah. that I find it a – I'm going to put it this way, and I don't think this is wrong or bad. I actually find it useful. And that's oh, all I need thanks. to know about it. Is that is a useful way to think about God sometimes. I don't know if I have to put on the identity and call myself open theist, yeah. but that may yeah. be a helpful way to look at God sometimes. Is that acceptable, yeah. do you all think? I like that, put yeah. That, and sometimes yeah, I'm do. this way. And some Because clearly the Bible don't make no sense if you try to make it all add up. There's no one ism that fits, right?
3: Yeah, it's not a systematic book, that's for sure.
4: Mm-hmm. Tom, this has been... Really awesome! Uh, I, oh, thank you. I, I'm going to ask one question that we won't be able to spend time in, and I'm okay. notorious for yes or no questions.
3: Oh uh, no! <laughs> <laughs> you, you said that
4: God never gives up on people. Is is does God never give up on Satan and demons?
3: Never gives up on any created thing.
4: Nice, Satan. There's hope for you, my friend.
3: There's exactly. Hope for you. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Larry, thank so thank you so much for joining us, man. man. We, we,
2: we, yeah, we really do appreciate it. And, and, and it, is yeah. really, it is really nice to think this way, op- open my mind up to think about it, because I do like the idea of God being loving. It is easier to grasp love through this thought process or, or whatever, yes, you know, through I open so. It's easier to grasp that idea that, of course, God loves us and he is love and that love is an actual force that moves throughout the world. So hopefully we can have you back on. And uh, yeah, is there
3: anything you want to promote for you before you leave? Yeah, which yeah, actually really really don't Yeah. If you don't mind, well, actually, a couple years ago, I wrote this book called "The Uncontrolling Love of God." That this these ideas are sort of laid out in. But then this month, in August, I guess last month is September. A book came out of 80 essays from theologians, scientists, activists, pastors, students that basically took my ideas from my book and then tried to apply them in a bunch of different ways, and that book is just called Uncontrolling Love. And so if folks are interested in this perspective, they could look for The Uncontrolling Love of God or the newer book of essays, Uncontrolling Love. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Awesome.
3: And what's your website? Hey, thanks for the Thomas Or. dot sure. com is good. O O R B. Thomas J ord. Yeah, you can find me on all the socials and all that sort of stuff. Also.
1: Awesome. Very all right. Cool. Well, thank you for joining us today. I really enjoyed learning about that.
4: Yeah, I enjoyed yeah, it me too. too. Thanks,
3: guys. All right. See ya. See you. Ya. See ya. See
4: ya. All right, guys. I'm going to have to uh, drop here, but I've got two messages to deliver. First message is uh, the club just keeps growing. I mean, we just hey. I don't. I don't know if you agree with free will or are these people destined to join. Either way, we can't stop it, and that's Ryan Hicks. They're destined. God can't stop people from joining. God can't stop these people. You guys are unstoppable. But Ryan Hicks, Gino Valoni, Eric Harrison, Riddle, Jeremiah Bing, Josiah Fling, Ed Jervis, PJ Sabo, Stephanie B, Carissa Shaw, and Justice Bjork. Thank you guys for joining the BC Club. These guys get an extra podcast episode every single week. It's it's, it's it's way more laid back. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it's better than the regular episodes. But As it's opposed to this different. ultra-formal
1: episode here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. All right, so the second thing that I want to say is uh, I had a <clears throat> conversation with our... I don't know, founding pastor, senior pastor, uh, Greg Surratt, yesterday. And he actually said that he has a very unpopular support for Joel Osteen. So I texted him during this episode, and I said, what's your main reason for supporting Osteen? He said, people don't know the whole story. The Osteens are incredibly generous people. So that's one perspective. Who
1: said that? I'm sorry, I missed what you were saying.
4: Uh, Greg Surratt.
2: Okay i'm I just sure they to do a formal are, apology to know. those teens yeah. i mean yeah I just, I, i've been wrong this whole time every time i've i've you know i've just always been the wrong one so no i, I, I still, wish i could be nice like thomas golly what a nice guest oh, I mean, yeah. he was just so friendly and it, make, it makes you it makes me feel bad about just me and my personality well here's when the i thing. meet super nice people here's the thing is i think i would tend to take
4: Pastor Greg's perspective with Joel Osteen, but not after hearing that clip that Matt played. To me, that just reeks of, I did something wrong. I'm trying to defend something that's not even his to defend. I mean, I thought the church was... Go- anyway, uh, I got to go, fellows. I got to evacuate.
1: Well, I got to go, too. We've had, a, we've had a great episode. You mean your bowels. And I've enjoyed it. You mean you got to
2: evacuate much. your bowels. So,
1: All right, see you evacuate guys. Evacuate your bowels. Come see Emory. We're in... Dallas, dallas tonight tonight we'll be in houston tomorrow and then we're going to be Woo-hoo. in memphis uh and these aren't consecutive no, days but new, be orleans, in new orleans new or- little rock memphis yep. these tickets are ten dollars you can get them at emorymusic.com and uh come out and see a shizzle see ya been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.
5: Jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.
0: Hey guys, it's Riva. Yes, Reva. That Riva. The mystery female of Bad Christian. I know you guys have been curious to see what Matt and Toby's actual worship music sounds like, so I thought I'd give you guys a taste. you imagine how this sounds on vinyl? We got the test presses in the other day, and man, they're sounding smooth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Guess what, guys? You can watch a video for this song right now at MattAndTobyBand.com. What are you doing? Go watch it. You can actually get this whole album at MattAndTobyBand.com Or iTunes, wherever you listen to music Keep an eye out for that Spotify too I'm going to stop interrupting now, but I've only got three things left to say Sit back, enjoy the music, and go to MattAndTobyBand.com
2: Praise, praise the Father, praise the Son